Well, hello again, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30. Storyboard 30 is taken right out of the pages of Storyboard Memphis, the nonprofit multimedia publication that focuses on our local arts, community, and culture. And I'm your host, Mark Fleischer. Ah, the summer road trip. Filling up the tank and hitting the road with nowhere to go but toward an unending horizon of adventure. Well, one Memphis father is taking that ideal to another level as he and his son and his daughter take the American road this month for a five-week podcast road trip that'll take them from Memphis, through the Southwest, up the Pacific Coast to the Northwest, through the Northern Rocky Mountains and into the Great Plains and back again through St. Louis. The man is our friend Marvin Stockwell, and he's taking his Champions of Lost Causes podcast to the American Road to explore other causes around the country and the people and passions that have sparked them. Marvin and I sat down for a talk on Friday, June 2nd, on the seventh floor of Crosstown Concourse, just days before the trio of father, daughter, and son ventured off in search of the hope and spirit that drive these great endeavors. So, um... Tell me about this road trip. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I've been doing Champions of the Lost Causes podcast since the summer of 2019. And because I'm in Memphis and because I'm a Memphis homer, I focused a lot of attention on Memphis. There are a lot right. of people championing causes in Memphis. And so uh, it was a natural first place to start. Uh, I'm more aware of what those are. And, you know, I started the podcast summer 2019 uh, and was really just kind of getting my my pretty solid with it when the pandemic hit, you know, and, um, and then of course we all had to do things via zoom. Uh, and we all learned how to use zoom. Those of us who didn't know how to use it and I didn't know how to use it. Uh, but then you realize pretty soon that digital tools open you up to the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that as both as a, as a PR pro in terms of connecting with journalists. Um, but so, and then I just like, once I started doing a couple of interviews outside of Memphis, I thought to myself, well, certainly the concept of people championing causes, it doesn't have to be Memphis-based. People champion causes all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I interviewed uh, Svetlana Muzichenko. Uh, that's, that's the first. That, was, that really yeah. struck me. And I, that's like one, one of my big questions is, yeah. is that. So, so her name is Svetlana Muzichenko. I had to practice it before I got it really right. Yeah. And it just flowed, right? Yeah. So tell me about that interview yeah. because that... That yeah. seemed like that had a really big impact on you. It really did. Yeah. Uh, Svetlana is a Ukrainian expat living in Brazil. And when the, the war, when Russia invaded Ukraine, she um, saw cities where her relatives lived being bombed. And uh, she wanted to get on the first place plane to Ukraine. Uh-huh. And her husband said, are you crazy? The last thing we need is another Ukrainian uh, in harm's way. Mm-hmm. What can you do from here? Mm-hmm. Well, she had stood up a, uh, a company with, uh, you know, uh, streamlining uh, logistics. It was a logistics business, an IT business. Uh-huh. And so uh, at first she just thought, well, okay, let me, like, let me take a deep breath here. What can I do with a distributed workforce via digital tools mm-hmm. uh, to help people in there? And um, so the very first thing she started doing was uh, raising money but to, to buy helmets. They were like, people need helmets. She just read this somewhere on, on Twitter. Uh-huh. Started raising money for, for helmets. And she just kept taking the logical next step. 
by the way, this is a hallmark of people who champion causes. They typically don't think they're founding anything. They don't think that they're, I'm going to go do this. I, I didn't think I was championing the cause of the Coliseum. Right. I was just trying to help out my friend Mike McCarthy get an op-ed in the commercial appeal. Yeah. And then it all took off. So Svetlana just thought, well, I'm just helping as I see fit. Over time, she realized, oh, you know, you get that first win. And, and she delivered the, the helmets. And then she realized things about like, oh, where to order helmets. Long story short, uh, she realized that only about 1% of international aid was going to humanitarian courses, uh, excuse me, efforts mm -hmm. to serve people in need in war-torn Ukraine. Now, why is that? It's because smaller nonprofits that, that are addressing emerging needs uh, don't have a track record. Mm -hmm. So, you know, UNICEF and all these, these organizations, they have protocols where like, so it takes a while to get uh, UNICEF money. And all of a sudden, these brand new nonprofits, like ragtag grassroots groups yeah. that are in harm's way, were, uh, were starting to raise money for things that they saw was a need. And she said, Ukrainians themselves are giving money for the war effort because they want to protect their country. Right. Uh, most of the established nonprofits are, are already hooked up with your UNICEFs of the world, but these smaller nonprofits are only enjoying about 1% of the funding that's fl flowing into our country. Something has to be done about that. Mm -hmm. So she founded uh, a nonprofit called UA Brokers Without Borders, and she, she zeroed in on that very need. And A, it was a revelation to me, but it was also... It had some of the hallmark features of, of people who champion any cause, which is that their heart gets swept up in it and they can't say no. They, they push aside their ego that says, well, should you be doing this? I mean, what, think about your career and stuff. No, no, no. It's out the door. Yeah. When you have to do something because life demands it, yeah. you do it. And when I interviewed Svetlana, I realized here she is championing a cause that really has to do with an actual war where people are dying. Yeah. Uh, and Russia was bombing their infrastructure so that they would they would like suffer even gr worse through the cold winter of Ukraine. Right. So she's raising money to keep people warm during the winter, and I was just struck by the fact that the that the uh, the process of championing a cause is so global, it's so worldwide, and it has so many manifestations. Uh, and as it so happens, I interviewed her on Ukrainian Independence Day. And it oh, was wow. just, it was just like, I'm getting kind of goosebumps just thinking about that moment, but I really got goosebumps over Zoom talking to Svetlana in Brazil. She's working in Ukraine on a war. Yeah. And I just thought that's when I realized, wow, the, the, the thing that I am so interested in, so curious about really is a global phenomenon. And so once the, and, and the pandemic is not over, there's still people getting sick from COVID. But now that the world is opening up again, I've started to realize, you know, the country is, remember the old uh, Southwest Airlines uh, tagline, you're now free to move about the country. Right. I, I love that tagline, <laughs> yeah, although they've yeah, retired it. Yeah. And, and I just felt like I'm now free to move about around the country. And um, I, was, I was talking to, uh, a friend of mine who works for uh, Public Radio Exchange, my long-term goal is to get the show syndicated on public radio. And he was giving me some objective feedback, and he said, you know, public radio program directors are more likely to take a shot on your show if it's of a limited duration. Uh -huh. And out of that brainstorm came Eureka, the podcast road trip. Uh -huh. I'll go on a summer road trip. Uh -huh. And then my friend J.D. Rieger is the one that suggested 
you know, Cormac's getting pretty savvy with recording stuff. He could be your engineer. And I thought, light bulb, I'm like, that is exactly what I'm going to do. So my son Cormac, uh, who I thought was going to be at this interview today. I was really hoping to meet him, yeah. I know, but but he was he's that just early adopter kid who started editing videos in fourth grade. Uh-huh. And he's pretty savvy with, with tech. And so he was able to, my, my friend Chris Reyes gave Cormac and I a, a couple of, you know, makeshift classes on how to use a Zoom H6, uh-huh. very similar to what you're using here. Uh-huh. And yeah, we, we got a podcast recording gig. It's, it's fairly affordable gear out there, yeah. you know? And, uh, and then I just started booking the podcast road trip and here we are ready to leave on Monday. Yeah. So by the time, by the time this drops, you guys will have left. Yeah. And, um, I was looking at your itinerary. Yeah. You know, that's online. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll make sure everyone knows by the end of this too, you know, where people can donate and stuff like that. But, uh, 17 States in five weeks. And then by my count, it looked like 26 cities. Mm-hmm. over five weeks which comes out to basically it's almost it's not quite a city a day um but it's close to it that's a yeah pretty aggressive road trip it uh, is from place to place it's oh, it's great it's great it is yeah um and there i you know when i, when I was reading through this i just i thought there's such a romance about it because it it take takes you back to the days of I couldn't help but think of Jack Kerouac and, and On the Road, which was sure. a fictional piece, but still, it takes you back to those those days in the 50s when yeah. people or got Or Charles Kuralt. Right. Yeah. On the Road. On, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That when people get, you know, hop in their cars and just start exploring. Yep. It's the same kind of thing. Um, but in your case, you've arranged for interviews in, in various places yep. along the way. Yeah. Yes. Been, yeah, which has been, I'm sure that's been interesting. Well, you know, in a way, this is where my my uh, my experience touring in Pez helps uh, me. Uh-huh. You know, like, right, uh, right. We, we, we had a, a booking agent, you know, of note for a few of the tours, but we also did some booking ourselves. I mean, honestly, it was more Ceylon Mooney, my longtime bandmate, did all, when we did our DIY tours, he was our booking agent, but I saw the steps he took uh-huh. and you know, you've got to nail things down. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it's essentially like booking a tour. Yeah. And so I did a rough search of nonprofits in a given city. Like I, uh, and when I knew people in a given city, like say for instance, our very first city, Fort Smith, Arkansas, my good friend, Jason Garvey, who I know through punk rock, he lives in, in, in Fort Smith. I reached out to him here's what I'm doing. Who, who, and he, he favored me with some options and mm-hmm. I'm going to interview uh, a person at uh, a, a, a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. Homelessness is an issue that I, I thought I would cover somewhere along the, uh, the, the, the kind of you know, topical map, yeah, so to speak. But, you know, I'm also interviewing uh, a writer director in, uh, in LA uh, about the writer's strike. He, he has a central role in championing the cause of the writer's strike. Uh-huh. And he, this is his second writer's strike. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, so that's a cause in and of itself. I'm going to be interviewing people in Minneapolis with the save, uh, um, protect the, the, uh, no, what is it? Defend the depot, uh, the East Phillips depot. They're at loggerheads with the city and they actually literally had to stop the wrecking ball by chaining themselves to the building. And now they've won an injunction. Uh, and so all sorts of issues of fairness, equity come into play. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's a fairly, you know, regular, not, 
So a cause being championed can be at its genesis point. Uh, it can be midstream. Um, or it's like you take the episode that I'm going to do in Wichita. There's a nonprofit called Envision in Wichita. They were founded 80 plus years ago as a school and workforce development uh, thing for the blind. Mm -hmm. Now, they still do have a host of services for the blind and, and people with low vision. Uh, but, uh, but they're an 85-year-old nonprofit that's in 17 states. My point is, when I started to talk to the staffers, yes, it's a more matrixed organization. But when I talk to the young 20-something community development person, mm -hmm. you know, that's a community outreach person, mm -hmm. she totally has the fire in the gut to, to meet the needs of these people with low vision. Yeah. It's like the spark of the, the passion of the cause yeah. is still perpetually, it's, it's like a flame that's still alit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it takes all types. And uh, we're still booking some stuff. I'd say the last week to 10 days are the, are the least booked part of the tour. But uh -huh. the first week on out into Denver and L.A. and most of the way up, th up the state of California and into the Pacific Northwest uh, is booked. Yeah. Pretty so, solid. So you're going, you're, you're starting out, you're in Arkansas, you're traveling west and then into Southern California, then going up the, up the Pacific coast Yep. All the way to Vancouver, I noticed also all the way into Vancouver. You know, we, we had to we had to trim the Vancouver thing, sadly. Uh, okay. Uh, we didn't have the right uh, paperwork to get in and out of Canada <laughs> with the new restrictions. Uh -huh. Like I thought we did, yeah. but we don't. Yeah. So, uh, but that's just one interview that we've, so, you know, we're going to spend a little bit more time in, in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you're, you're moving back, you know, you're traveling back east, eastward. Uh, kind of through the top of the country. Through the top of the country. Yeah. And then uh, it looked like down into the Midwest and then back down into Memphis from yep. there. But, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, it's, and this is, again, it's, what did we say, five weeks. Um, and, you know, like, like I said before, your itinerary, it's, it's boom, boom, boom from city to city. Yeah. Um, really, really fun. Now, uh, Cormick, so, yeah. uh, so he's going to be your program engineer, as we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really, as you said, gotten into music, engineering and video, audio editing and all that. Yeah. Um, is he going to be participating on any of the actual interviews? Or do you think he, you see him strictly as... I'd, I'd, I mean, honestly, if he wanted to be, yeah. he could be. But I think he sees it as my show and he's going to be the technical back end, yeah. watching the levels uh, and stuff like that. Well, it certainly makes your job a lot easier having someone else i mean i i know that you know doing this myself too mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. certainly makes it a lot easier to have him yeah. handling the technical end for you i'll yeah. probably do the 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 back end like take the sd card put it in the you know put it in my google drive ship the link to uh, uh jd rieger uh my, my friend he's he's essentially becoming yeah. uh the new producer i had i had the show had been produced for the last uh year or so by my buddy ryan azada uh -huh. but ryan's gotten busy with other projects and uh, and uh, I, the podcast is on the Back to the Light Network, which is JD's network. Uh, and so it just made sense. JD and I have been friends forever. He played bass on Pez's third album uh, a million years ago. And uh, he and Jeff Hewlett and I stood up Rock for Love when I was at Church Health. Uh -huh. So JD and I have been friends for a long time, and it just made sense. He's got a lot of the editing skills uh, on the back end. Right. And I needed somebody back here 
like I'm going to be blow, as you said, I'm going to be blowing and going, getting episodes. Yeah. I do not have time to edit the show if yeah. I even knew how to do that stuff in the first place, which I do not. Uh-huh. Uh, but I needed somebody who could edit the show and put the front plate and the back plate on it and, and, and publish it. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd be open to Cormac doing some of that, but I think he wants to just strictly be the technical back end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you, um, the frequency of the episodes being edited and dropped, do you, do you, do you, do you see what mm-hmm. that looks like yet? Is it like what kind of time frame we're looking at from sure. recording to the podcast dropping? That's a great question. And I don't, I would, I, I'll be honest and say, I haven't figured that out entirely. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, JD interested, uh, interviewed me for what can essentially be po- podcast road trip episode zero, which will be the kind of explainer episode about the, about the road trip. Uh-huh. Um, that's the kind of first thing that we're working on. Uh, it really depends. Like, I, I think if we publish a few of the episodes before I get back, that'll be a win. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and we may uh, publish others in batches, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at this, I mean, podcasting, as you well know, is still a little bit of the wild, wild west. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are people who do say, oh, well, you, if, you don't, if you can't commit to every two weeks at a minimum, you're not doing a podcast. And then you've got people who do these eight episode little things and they publish them all at the same time. Yeah. And, and you, you see people do a mix of both. So... Um, and I'm, that's not to be cavalier and say, like, I don't care. I care. But I'm like, I will be trying to figure out as best I can what the, the current best practices are for releasing them. And then I'm at the outset of trying to explore the idea of some type of uh, in-person event on the back end of the road trip yeah. where I invite the public. Uh, I think that might be fun. And, 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 uh, and, I, and I'm looking to do something... Uh, special for the people who kicked in on the, uh, the IOB campaign. It would be great if we could somehow, like, I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Well, well, something like this too, you're going to figure things out as you go, you know, or some things. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to, um, because of the, uh, aggressive nature of the, the day to day, you know, getting yep. these in and all that. Yeah. So it, it's, it'll be, I'll be really curious to see when you come back, um, and I might even touch base with you during the, during sure. the trip, um, to see how it's going so far, because, you know, these things, you can plan it out all you want, but once you hit the road, <laughs> you know, you don't really know, um, you know, what you're going to get sometimes. Stuff so, can happen. Stuff can, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, when I just recently sent out a, 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 a grouping of emails and text to the people to kind of confirm the interviews, just yeah. like ink them in really good, I halfway expected somebody to be like, and this happens all the time when you're planning anything. People are like, oh, I'm so, I put it on the wrong month and now I'm committed to a beach vacation. Oh, you know, yeah. oh, sorry, man. You know, <laughs> like, but, but everybody just got back with me. Said, looking forward to it. See you soon. Yeah. Uh, and uh, do I think that inevitably something's going to go get sideways and, and something's going to get blown? Probably. Yeah. Uh, but like. If I'm questing after, you know, 25, 26 episodes, like, I'm going to get north of 20. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. and for 30, be- like, so five weeks, seven, 35, um, we, we are definitely going to plan some off days because you, you have to recharge the battery. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. going to build in a day to go see the Grand Canyon. Uh, although, interesting thing, and this is just like, 
how the universe sometimes just works things out for you. Um, about the time Sarah had talked to me, she, she said, you know, you can't just kind of swing by the Grand Canyon. You know, you got to do some planning. Yeah. And my wife is such a great planner. And so, so now she's talked me into a much more intentional day at, at, at the Grand Canyon. But guess what? I'm starting to send out all these Facebook messages to my network saying, hey, I've got an IOB crowdfunding campaign. A acquaintance from high school gets back in touch. Not only did he kick in 100 bucks for my, my IOB campaign, he said, hey, would you consider national parks and parkland and the, and the, the positive effect on our mental health uh-huh. and uh, them as a national treasure? Is that a cause? That, would you consider that a cause? Uh-huh. I'm like, absolutely. That is very important. Yeah. And I'm also not one that shies away from like, there can be people who champion causes within government. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So he says, because my sister-in-law is a big higher up within the park system. And if you're going to the Grand Canyon, would you interview her for the podcast? Uh-huh. And now he's connected us. I, I hope it happens. Yeah. You know, because like that would be the coolest thing ever to be at the Grand Canyon and interview like the top yeah. dog like in her office about the Grand Canyon. Yeah. See, the, <laughs> you know? you're getting right into some of the things that I've been thinking about with regard to this trip. Yeah. You know, is that these these things can happen and something might fall through and you realize this fell through for a reason because if this didn't hadn't fallen through this other thing wouldn't have popped up. This other person yeah. wouldn't have come out of the woodwork that I got to interview, you know? Yeah. Um, that stuff's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I'm sure it'll, it'll continue to happen as you go along. Um, I was, I couldn't help also. There, there's a, a, a program, a streaming show. I forget what channel it's on. Um, called Ozzy and Jack's world detour. Mm. And it's with Ozzy Osbourne and his son, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when it was you and Cormac, your son, now Jack is an adult in this case, uh, oh Cormac, gosh. your son is 12, but I couldn't help but think of the two of them. They, they go all over the world. They've of spent, course they do. They've, one of their shows they did here in Memphis. They, is that right? Yeah. They went into, into sun of and they uh, got into the booth and of course, Ozzy Osbourne was just sitting there playing with the knobs and he just couldn't, he was more thrilled. He was as, as thrilled as can be to be sitting there in sun. Oh, of course. Yeah. But the, the show is about him and his son, you know, going from place to place. A lot of it is his son getting annoyed with his dad. <laughs> it's the of, oh, It's Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Oh, so man. I, I can see the show in my mind's eye right now. Oh, I don't even need to watch it. It's I know hilarious. what it's about. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, man. But I, I couldn't help but think of that when you mentioned you and Cormac going together. That's why I asked a question about, is he mm. going to jump in on any mm. other podcast? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you might find, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to suggest anything, but yeah. yeah. Um, but you might, no, find, please do. <laughs> well, you might find, you might find you like, let's, let's get you on the microphone, Cormac, and, and talk about how, what, how our last two weeks have, have gone, you know? Oh, now that piece. No, no. Let me, let me jump in and say, yeah. I think some, will we take the H6 and fire it up in the car and get some like, ha, like there father, go. son. In fact, that was Cormac's idea. Cormac yeah. said, if we're going to have recording equipment, we should record some conversations. And it, it, it is not lost on me that of course I am championing the role of fatherhood. <laughs> I'm championing the cause of fatherhood. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm championing the cause of my own precious life, which is the interpersonal uh, dimension that every cause has. 
Every person who champions a cause is doing that because they value their own precious life enough to say, it's not good enough for me to just stack up goodies in this life and get stack up money. Yeah. I, I'm only on this mortal coil for so long and I can't resist going and doing that. Yeah. So we have to champion the cause of our precious life. And a lot of us do that by championing a temporal cause that's doing a good in the world. That doesn't make sense if you just think, well, where do you benefit? You, you, have to, yeah. you, have to, you have to gain benefit from places other than just material gain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's an alchemy to it. I, I, the more I, I study it and the more guests I have on the podcast, it's not exactly just altruism. And it's not, it, you know, sometimes my friend Isabel Gonzalez Whitaker, uh, who was on the podcast, she had a very close relationship with her mother. And when, and she was just absolutely, it's like her mom died suddenly. And her mom had stood up the first Latinx chamber in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So not only did she do champion the cause of rehabbing this park and naming it in her mom's honor for a lot of the regular reasons, which is it'll be good for the community. It'll like, it'll be a great place that honors diversity, equity, and inclusion. But it also was her part of her grieving process of saying, I want to honor my mom. I think that's beautiful. Like, so like there are all sorts of reasons why people do things and I'm not sure we even know them all, you know, that's probably, well, it's so personal for many, you know, and, and I'll speak for myself. I know my motivations are many when it comes to the work that I do. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to someone, there's always an element of something very deeply personal mm-hmm. that someone feels about whatever cause that they've taken on, um, that there's something that just so completely resonates with them in their heart and their soul. Yeah. You know, that I, I, I can't not do this because it's, it's part of my purpose. It's, I've, or I've discovered it's part of my purpose or it's resonated with me so much yeah. that it's, it's part of me. I have to do it. Sometimes it resonates to a key lesson that our parents taught us when we were very little. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, I was once talking to a guy and he wasn't so much a, a guy on the podcast, but he was telling me about, I was, I was wondering what, he was a big Coliseum fan and he was like really looking to help. And uh, I'm like, why, why does this guy care? I don't think it's for the normal surface reasons. I get to talking to him and he talked about how he, he has fond memories of going uh, to see wrestling with his grandfather when he was a little boy. Mm-hmm. And then when he moved away to another city and he felt awkward as the new kid, he found the other two boys who loved wrestling and they said, you're from Memphis, the fertile crescent of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it got him over so big and that became his friend group. I think that there are foundational reasons that drive us all that uh, are, can be almost unexamined that are the real undercurrent that motivate uh, uh, action uh, in our lives. And I, I think we can both examine ourselves and kind of know some of those things. Uh, it's a, as a fan of psychology and sociology and all the ologies, uh, I find it all fascinating, like uh, r- ruminating on why people champion causes, what sustains them and what helps them succeed, which is what I said, why do I have the fire in the gut? That was the linchpin that started me down the, the rabbit hole. Uh-huh. And then the podcast has been constantly asking that question. Right. Why is this person championing this cause? What motivates this person? What sustains this person? 
uh, I am endlessly fascinated by that. And, you know, 40 episodes in and a podcast road trip ahead of me, I'm still fascinated by it. And every time I learn something new and I appreciate the concept more and I see my own work in contrast in a way that makes me go, oh, wow. Uh-huh. I see signature signposts of a champion's journey that, um, yeah, they're different around the edges, but they're hallmark things. You know, willingness to play the long game, uh, willingness to suffer through adversity, um, uh-huh. even just like situational, like lessons learned tactically, like, you know, you've got to play nice with the, with the, with the pat. You know, the, say you're in a, in, a, in a thing with the city. There's value to keeping a good relationship with the city until you absolutely can't. Like the folks in, like the folks in Minneapolis who are literally at, you know, at loggerheads with the city and their lawsuits flying. Yeah. But like our philosophy with the Coliseum is always to, to maintain a collegial relationship with, with Mayor Strickland and his administration. Uh, and even things getting chippy, even with him, you know, trying to make a mad dash to demolish the Coliseum here at the 11th hour, 59th minute and 59th and a half second of his mayoral administration. Uh, I try to maintain respect for him as a human being. And remember, Jim Strickland is not just the guy who's trying to demolish the Coliseum. He's got a host of things. He's a he's a fellow Catholic that I've seen at mass. So, like, you know, no one's as bad as the worst thing they ever tried to do. Um, mm hmm. And, uh, you know what I mean? You try, try to remain charitable. Um, um, but yeah, but, but to, to, to your point about uh, why people take on a cause, it, you know, um, I would guess that you'd find in, in some cases people aren't exactly sure. Um, that, uh, you know, you mentioned psychology, you know, and I know that um, for me, again, personally, I look at some of my motivations and realize that it, it actually comes from an, an entire fabric of things in my upbringing yeah. or my family, uh, where I grew up. Um, you know, um, the, um, there's, a, there's an expression about the, uh, it, it's not called, it, the expression is not the failed promises of youth, but it's something like that. Oh, that's on the tip of my tongue. I know the way you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's that thing that I thought was going to happen when, when I was 10 years old and I saw, saw my future. It didn't happen. Well, I'm going to make it happen now. You know, sometimes it's that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I just find that fascinating. That Like a know, redirected, unrequited love kind of thing. Yeah. Like that, 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 yeah. that fire was just, it never, it's never burned out. You know, whatever it was. You got to send that energy to achieve some end. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's that, you know. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. You know, the more I do this, the more I just realize that, you know, uh, people want to affect change in the world and they want to have made their mark. That, that is a simple way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's again, it's, it's kind of an alchemical thing. Like I did again. I didn't say, well, I see the Coliseum is under a demolition threat back in fall of 2014. I better champion this cause. You know, no, I didn't think about that. I helped Mike McCarthy get an op-ed in the Commercial Appeal. He invited me to a community meeting at Memphis Heritage. And then, like, by the time we got, I'll never forget this. We were at Memphis Heritage, and I thought, on my drive over there, I thought to myself, this is where the real activists uh, will show up. Mm -hmm. 
I'll explain to them what we're working on and get the real activists working on this, right? Midway through the meeting, I just realized Mike and I were the only ones talking. And at the end of the meeting, they just said, what are you going to do next? And yeah. I thought, next? And then like days later, we had the Fairgrounds Forum at Playhouse, uh, Circuit Playhouse. All the media shows up. And, and then like all the coverage as it hit, my right. phone started blowing up. What are you guys going to do next? And that's the reason I use the analogy. Championing a cause is like not even realizing you're on a journey until you're three miles out to sea with no land in sight, looking at the face of your shipmate and going, Wait, what, what just happened? Yeah. It's like you all yeah. show up to the same airport gate, bags packed, tickets punched. Uh, to use another analogy, it's like, it's like the bat signal hits the, hits the cloud and all of the air quotes, Batman love air quotes, Gotham, uh-huh. whatever Gotham is. Yeah. And they just know it's time to respond. And you just respond and this, and this team materializes out of the ether. I watched it happen around the Coliseum. Yeah, I knew Chooch Pickard a little bit. Yeah, I knew Roy Barnes through Midtown Circles a little bit, but I didn't know him well. Uh, I knew Mike McCarthy probably best of all uh, because he'd done the art for our band's first seven inch a million years ago. But, you know, I didn't, I wasn't hanging out with those guys on on the regular. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden overnight, this team materializes. How does that happen? And it's like, I really feel like the cause drafts the people it summons the people it's not about a conscious decision to champion a cause it's about it's about opening your heart wide enough to unknowingly put yourself on this celestial draft board of willingness and then the universe knows i see they're willing well and then it's only a matter of time before the cause that's just right for you that you just can't say no to yeah cycles around and then all of a sudden you're just off to the races yeah I've, uh, Running headlong into its arms. Yep, yep. I've heard this expression too many times is, you know, in the work that I've done is like, the universe conspires with you as you, you know, if you're doing something of, 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 of value, that's helping someone, helping an organization or whatever, the universe that's right. conspires with you. Yeah. yeah, no, that's 100% right. Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, resources people show up yeah that you could not have imagined in a million years there's some famous quote and i'm not going to remember what it is uh but but it's like there is power in beginning yeah the minute you decide to commit all make and manner of support materializes out of the ether that you could not have predicted yeah yeah uh, it's yeah. a much more eloquent version of what i just said but like that's true yeah that's true to the current day and i won't i won't fess up and say what i mean i'm going to speak in code here but like on the Coliseum front, let's just say some some fresh champions have entered the fray right. that had abilities and clout and resources that the rest of us didn't have, and we didn't need them till then, till now. But uh, but they've shown up and they're working their butts off. So, um, but I just to me that is a marvel. Uh, and quite frankly, as, as as a person of faith, I yes, I, I view this as like. You know, God's providence, you know, God, God at work, the Holy Spirit at work among all these people. So but I don't think you have to believe in God uh, to realize that there's just this alchemical thing in the ether that you don't even have to understand it, really. That's the reason I think people have come around to using the term the universe. And I think that's completely valid or our higher aspirational selves pitted against our egos that are like, well, this doesn't follow the rules. Yeah. 
whatever the lens, I think it's all true. You know, and it's, it's all trying to get at this kind of primordial thing that's in the ether, which we can't quite figure out and point to and prove. Uh, but one of the things that I tease out in the book, which is unpublished, but, but I'm going to get to work on that as, as soon as I, I, I've been working on the book since 2018. But one of the things that, that I tease out in the book is I feel like to champion a cause, you have to reboot your fundamental belief in the goodness of people. You have to reboot your factory settings belief in goodness. My goodness, your goodness, and in the, in, in the inevitability that goodness is going to win out. And everything the world tells you is that that's not true. Uh, everything the news tells us is that selfishness and greed is winning writ large, and you might as well just pack it in. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. Yet every episode, I see evidence to the contrary. And this goodness that is within us all, which I would argue is humanity's uh, uh, key dominant trait that is unkillable, unquenchable, and indefatigable, uh, is... It's, it, it can't be stopped and it can't be no matter no amount of, you know, benefits on the side or reassurances or goodies or money or power can completely quench this. It's all deep down in, in, in all of us. And I think people who champion causes have just for one way or maybe through crisis or a personal crisis or who knows what, they've somehow been thrown into realizing that there is this dimension to their life and they want to, to actively participate in it and use it and use it as leverage to, to participate in that, that kind of celestial tug of war between good and evil uh, mm -hmm. that, is, that is, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but you know, in my view, again, as a person of faith, God is the ultimate champion. And God is championing the cause of humanity, and, and which, which God is convinced is not a lost cause. Mm -hmm. God said in the Old Testament, uh, my word will not return to me empty. And so I take that to mean God spoke his, that word of goodness. Mm -hmm. And by the time it bounces off the edge of the universe and gets back, but back to God, try not to use the male pronoun, but it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. because God is not man, man or, or woman. But my point is, by the time it, re it gets back to God, God is saying, it's going to be good. I spoke it good, and by the time it, I, I catch it again, it's going to be good. And another thing, and this is more Christian-specific, Jesus says, uh, amen, amen, I say to this, you will do greater things than these, meaning the miracles that he did. Mm -hmm. As the Father sent me, so I send you, uh, and the gates of Sheol will not prevail against the church. So I feel like both in the person of God the Father uh, and in the person of Jesus, you've got two assurances. And then if you look, then you look at the way Jesus lived his life and he lived it, you know, like not, he didn't care about anything that happened to him, mm -hmm. you know, right. and he kind of lived his life fearlessly. And there's, we don't have to, you know, it's like all sorts of Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, all sorts of people have lived that radical expression of radical love and self-sacrificial love such that we have plenty of tangible examples of it at this point. And I'm not saying you have to become a martyr to champion a cause, but I, I, I do think that at the back cloth of the universe, there is this, this primordial struggle between goodness and, 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 and light mm -hmm. and dark. Mm -hmm. And I just think that the people who champion causes are, are choosing or maybe not actively choosing, but they've opened their hearts and they're participating, pulling 
on the tug of war the other way. So I feel like all causes are are rowing in the in the direction of goodness. Mm-hmm. You could make the argument that there we can disagree on what goals are good, right? You, mm-hmm. you could say, oh, you're championing the cause of like first first amendment rights. You're all pro guns, you know. Like we have all sorts of disagreement. Well, what are noble goals? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but but my point is, people who are choosing to champion a cause are more often than not trying to make the world a better place. They're trying to make it more just, more fair. I would argue that that is part of the ongoing work of the redemption of humanity that mm-hmm. folds up into the wider subfolder of the, of the, the evolution of, and, and ultimate redemption of the human race. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get just like too, you know, huge, uh, you know, deep think, deep thoughts with, with Jack Handy about the situation. But I'm like, and you don't have to believe all that stuff to realize, oh, here's a tangible good that came out of this thing. Mm-hmm. But I just get curious about the, the deep think uh-huh. <laughs> kind of off uh-huh. into the stratosphere stuff and the psychology of it all and, and the theology of it all, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it, it, it strikes me as a fairly inexhaustible topic. And yeah. like the more, the more I investigate it and the more I interview people and the more I, I learn about it, it doesn't make me less interested about it. It makes me more interested in it. Yeah. And so I think I found my, as a new media journalist, I found the thing that from a, from a journalism perspective is something I can't stop doing. Like I don't want to stop learning about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, it seems like there's almost a, uh, you, you start to tap into the spirituality aspect of the, the interactions with all these people. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that it becomes bigger than just the, the two people, you know, the, the, the person you're interviewing, right? It becomes bigger than, than, than just the two of you. You know, you're, you're bringing all these elements together and suddenly yeah. they, 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 they conjure themselves in various ways. They all fit together. I mean, yeah. like, honestly, every cause that's being championed is part of a larger patchwork of causes. Right. You can say every environmental cause fits in the kind of subfolder of environmentalism. Yeah. Uh, mixed use redevelopment. There are plenty of people who are championing causes around arenas even. Right. You know, so right. they're like, and I'm going to, I'm going to interview the guy for the owner of the Tulsa Oilers who's oh, rehabbing wow. an old Macy's and a moribund mall and putting in some ice features and they're going to save the mall. Uh-huh. So that's in Tulsa. Uh, I'm also going to interview the dude, uh, Steve Fouch, who uh, turned around Kemper Arena and rebranded it as High V Arena. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there are all sorts of cause types in terms of major thematic kind yeah. of sortings. Yeah. But, uh, but I just, I, I marvel at the variety of the types of them and the different actors and the different belief systems that pot up to it. You do not have to be a person of faith to champion a cause, but I find that when a person is a person of faith, that the way they interact with faith is an interesting dimension and motivator. Mm -hmm. One of the causes I'm gonna, uh, 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 an interview that I have set up for Fort Collins, Colorado, is with a woman who is part of an, she founded an interfaith coalition, not unlike say Micah here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interfaith coalition and they are working on all make and manner of social justice causes with a special focus on immigration reform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, wow. And if you look at who's on her board and it's an Episcopalian and it's a, it's a Unitarian and it's a, it's a lefty Catholic priest. You know, my point is when faith informs it, 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 I think it, it, it just adds another layer of, of being interesting. Yeah. To me as right. a person of faith who, but I mean, it's like, 
I'm a fair, I'm definitely a um, multiple wells drilled down to the same water source kind of person of faith, mm-hmm. even though I am like a, a church going Catholic, um, uh, go to St. Pat's downtown. Uh, but I just marvel at the expression. And honestly, it's by your fruits, you will know them. If, if the faith is, is leading to actual work, mm-hmm. well, then you're like, oh, it's genuine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and now I'm just like, I'm on approach. Like you said, by this time, by the time this drops, I'll probably be in Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So here we are recording on Friday, what is it? Friday, June 2nd is when we're recording this. Yep. And uh, yeah, by the time this, this airs, you will be on the road. Yep. On the road. Yep, on totally. the road trip. Well, um, so uh, real quick, um, mm-hmm. if folks want to, you, you've got a, an IOB um, uh, uh, project mm-hmm. um, to help fund this. And the IOB project is called The Champions of the Lost Causes Podcast Summer Road Trip. Which is right uh, at the top of the page. And yeah. yeah, but to make it really easy on everyone, I've put a link on my website, which is just champions of the lost causes dot org. Right. So if they go to my website and I think on the mobile version, you got to scroll down a little bit, Yeah. but it's on there. Uh, and honestly, I've been posting a good bit to social media. So if you look up champions of the lost causes on, on most social media platforms, and especially if you know me, uh, you'll be able to find it pretty readily. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at just at Marvin Stockwell. So, uh, so reach out. I mean, I may very, you may very well have a great idea in South Dakota, and I and 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 I'll need a booking by this time. <laughs> Reach out, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so championsofthelostcauses.org, uh, and I want to give a special shout out to IOB. Uh, I I chose them intentionally. Uh, I I've done two IOB campaigns before with my Coliseum work. Uh, when we were standing up the very first Roundhouse Revival in 2015, we needed to build the plane and the runway all at the same time and launch an event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we formed in January of 2015. By May of 2015, we were hosting an event with two wrestling rings and music wrestling and basketball all day long with a PA and a marching band. Uh, and, uh, and, and we had to ramp up to a kind of Leo events level, you know, event planning uh-huh. team of 40 people. But had we not had the ability to go raise 7,200 bucks through an IOB campaign, we wouldn't have the money to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what IOB does well. So, um, so I, I've gotten to know a lot of the people at IOB and I really strongly believe in their platform. They're, they have a, a kind of neighborhood development sub-focus. They really hold your hand and help yeah. you fundraise, uh, which I have needed that help. Shout out to my, my IOB uh, success coach, Anthony, uh, who lives in Minneapolis. I'm going to see him when I'm there. But, um, but, but additionally, uh, their marketing director, uh, Katie Laura, uh, has been working with me. A couple of the guests on the podcast Road Trip were former IOB project leads. So they've given me a couple of leads. So IOB has not only been my crowdfunding platform, they've been my thought partner on this. So I want to give a special shout out. Uh, IOB is a fantastic platform uh, to to raise funds uh, uh, through. And uh, and so like thematically, it makes sense. Uh, IOB is essentially the crowdfunding platform that, that, that helps people who champion causes raise money yep there you go so i mean it's it's the perfect marriage yeah yeah well marvin always good to see you and thank you um, so much mark and um 
You drive safe on Monday. I will. <laughs> I will. I will. And I'll be in touch. All right. You've been listening to Storyboard 30 from FM 89.3 WIPL. For more information on Marvin's road trip and to donate to his crew's expenses, visit their IOB page at iob.org. That's iobyorg And Champions of the Lost Causes podcast summer road trip or simply at championsofthelostcauses.org. Thanks again to my guest, Marvin Stockwell, for sitting down to chat, to Crosstown Concourse, and as always, to the library channel at WIPL, to WIPL producer Vance Durbin, and to you listeners and supporters of the library and FM 89.3. This has been your host, Mark Fleischer, inviting you to join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more conversations with Memphians who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week. Mm